Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. We're here with our friend and trusty producer, Max Kerman. We also have our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. And guys, we've got a very special guest. We've got a fourth person joining us today. Uh, good, good, good friend. You know, we always say good friend of the pod. Uh, Sean, you know, we've known you for over a decade, you and I were in a band together. Uh, you and Shane were roommates. Uh, over the course of this pandemic, I've spent a lot of time in your backyard watching basketball games. Max, were you ever roommates with Sean? Oh, yeah. I've been roommates with basically everybody. I, I guess not Mike or Shane, but everybody else. Yes. Oh, you guys lived in the Onyx together. How could I forget? Yeah. Yes. With, uh, yeah, with right. Jug, right? Yeah. I, I think I've lived with the most people out of all the Champagne Boys. I think really? The, oh, the this would be a fun yeah. game. Oh, we're going to find out who has the record, Sean or Max, actually, who's lived <laughs> with the most uh, people of, of our group of friends. Um, you know, uh, the reason that you're on today is because, one, it's just fun to hang out with friends, uh, but also you're a real estate agent in the uh, the greater Hamilton area and beyond, and you've helped all of us in different ways. Uh, and sometimes we're always like, hey, maybe we have some real estate questions. Maybe people want to know about this stuff. It's very topical right now in the news. You know, I read the Globe and Mail every morning and in the business section, they're always talking about the real estate and they're always talking about how hot Hamilton is. There's a lot of people in Southern Ontario that think about making the move to Hamilton and Sean has all your answers. He should be your real estate agent. Uh, also, Sean might be the biggest soccer slash football fan that we know. And there's a lot going on, sort of uh, very topical issue right now with like the Super League. I don't think the three of us, Max, Shane, or myself know too much about it. So Sean might clear it up for us. Uh, so we're going to get all, uh, you're hanging out for the day, right? Sean, you're here, here for the whole episode? Sure. I'm here for the whole thing. Well, thanks for being here. Uh, and let's get into it. Guys, what's going on? I'm very fired up. I might have missed the last thing you said. Did you mention the football thing? Uh, I cut out for a second. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so for our listeners, we've been recording for about five minutes and Max has already had multiple technical issues. Uh, yeah. And if you're a regular listener of this pod, you know that this is an ongoing issue. Max, uh, as Sean said, we might need to talk to the producer and figure out a, w- a workaround of some sort. I know. There's something wrong with my fucking computer or something. Anyway, um, I just... In, you're fired do- up. In doing some research uh, about the soccer thing that's happening, I just watched um, the link that Intern Erica sent with, who's that announcer, uh, Sean? Gary Neville. Yeah, Gary Neville. And uh, I just watched the James Corden piece on it. And I know there's a lot Mm -hmm. of people, what are you smiling about, uh, Shane? Well, well, it's just, <laughs> we. I thought we were going to go into his real estate <laughs> business, so we get to know Sean just before we hop into the middle of a topic. Oh. Like, I, I, okay, I'm not let's producing get into this that. episode. You're, you're right, you're right. That, 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 yeah. That's what we should do. Sorry, sorry, guys. I'm really throwing off the floor right now. Sean, this go. is your first time on the podcast, and we could not seem more unorganized. <laughs> oh, no, I'm a, I'm a long-time listener. I, I knew what I was in for. <laughs> um, all right, so let's get uh, The real estate market is insane. Uh, Dan, full disclosure. Danik and I have actually been looking around because we were thinking about, hey, if this, you know, if, if work-life balance continues this way, as far as being in an office, we might want to stay in Hamilton long-term if we're not, you know, don't need to be in downtown Toronto. So we've been looking. So we were working with you a bunch. Uh, Shane, you also have had a working relationship with Sean. Yeah, it's been good for him probably. I think he made a lot of a commission. I don't know. It's like... <laughs> Like, I don't know what real estate agents do, so I don't really know how much you helped me or if it would have been the same (laughs) for anyone else. So I look at it like, oh, I'm doing a buddy a favor. Like, I'm giving him a job rather than like, oh, he's helping me out. You know what I mean? And and I'm very thankful for for that help, Shane. Thank you. Uh... (laughs) Well, you, you... we all laugh, but you you did make uh, good money, didn't you? Unless unless you 
Like, I don't I know. I mean, no, not, not no. a lot well, of it. No, for, it's, oh. He worked very hard for the money, Shane. And also, I mean, the other thing about uh, right now, it feels like it's more competitive than ever as an industry. So, yeah. uh, Sean, walk us through what, like, uh, I know every, every day is a little bit different, but what does, like, a normal mm-hmm. day look like if you had to sort of average it out? So, right now, it is it is a lot different, uh, and as Mike can attest, because Mike is, like, the prototypical, like, client right now is kind of what's happening. His traditional work structure has changed entirely where all of a sudden being downtown Toronto is not uh, a requisite at all for the job. You can work from home remotely. Um, People are either going to be staying in a work from home uh, facility for quite a while, or they're going to be going back to maybe one or two days uh, a week in the office. And that shift from, you know, like a five day week really means you can, you can live in Hamilton. Now that commute is not as arduous. It's not every day. Uh, so we have an influx of people coming from largely from Toronto. It's happening like in the city, people are moving around too, but, um, where you, um, people are looking at areas, you know, all around Hampton Gage Park up on the mountain, typically downtown. So they can be closer to, you know, bars and restaurants, that traditional kind of what you're looking for moving into a city and uh, the ghost station stuff. So, uh, my, my typical day is like booking showings for, for clients. And we're doing more of those right now because the market is so, hyper competitive. Uh, everyone kind of wants to see everything just in case that becomes the one they want to go after. And it's taking more attempts to kind of get the place you want because competition is so high. Um, you're up against, you know, as many as in some cases, 20 offers every time you go to put it an offer on a house. So you're, you're just by virtue of that, you're going to be seeing more because people are losing out in competition uh, more than they normally would be in like a balanced market. So it's a lot of like, you know, data crunching to see what the area supports, what kind of house people are looking for, all that stuff, and and then booking showings. What's a common mistake that you see house buyers uh, do when they're looking for a house that you're like, oh god, you're missing the point right now. Like you're th- you're focusing too much on this, and you're you should focus a little bit more on that. A, a big like a big step that people miss is like having the financial part of it. Uh, at least theoretically locked down before you start shopping is that's like the number one thing. Cause that's going to, that's going to enable you to buy in whatever price range. And that's going to limit you to neighborhoods and size of house and style and all that things. So, I mean, like that's like probably the number one mistake that people make. I mean, people like when you're particularly first time home buyers, like they don't have a lot of experience. They do some research, but that's where like what I, my job kind of is uh, Shane to answer your question is it's like, it's very much like an advisory role. So I could be the, I mean, perfect world. They've already got their finances locked down. So I'd be like the second touch point in a real estate uh, transaction. And then from there, I tell them about like how to, you know, get yourself best organized to be successful in a market like this uh, considerations for particularly people coming in out of the city really like what is your like sure you're buying this house on this street but what is your day-to-day life going to be like it what is your what's the the, the outlook as far as an, uh, appreciation as an investment goes on this street versus another hamilton's very much a city of, of neighborhoods where you travel you know northeast uh, two blocks and all of a sudden it's a different lifestyle than being you know that southwest a little bit so it's very much like an advisory role and just kind of helping people make sure they're they're organized but yeah Let's say you want to sell a house for, let's just say, a million dollars, just have a clean number. Is it better to list it at 780000 and have people duke it out in like a bidding war or should you list it at a mill? 
So that's that's what's happening right now. So that that these strategies are all product of whatever market you're selling in. Right now, we're in a seller's market, which means there are uh, a lot more buyers than there are actual homes to sell. So you have those lineup of people for. And right now, it's kind of for all different styles of home. Normally, it's like you're typically your detached, beautiful, renovated Victorians, that type of thing that create that kind of fervor. But right now, people are really looking at uh, any kind of shape, size of home, as long as it's in good shape, uh, with the exception of, of, of condos for the most part, because that's kind of the, the style of ownership that people are leaving to, to come to Hamilton to get some some land. But so the, the holding offers is what you're talking about, which is you price the home below what it's worth. And what that does is it gets uh, the home will actually appear in more more client searches because they say they have a they have a their top price set at using your example eight hundred. If you listen for a million, they would never see it. If you list it at seven ninety nine, they'll see it. They could maybe get uh, they could get interested in it. People will some people try to maybe over leverage a bit to to compete on a house that maybe they couldn't afford. But what realistically it's doing is getting more eyes on a house. It's getting more uh, offers uh, in and participation. And what that really does is just bumps up the top end of the offers because there are theoretically more people competing uh, for for the house. So most of the time, the people who have that like lower price gate set aren't really going to be competitive close to the million or million plus of using that, that price example, but it's probably going to bump up the, the top ones that do, do come in. Right. So it creates the illusion of this, like way more competition than is actually in the game. Probably. I mean, like you're still getting 20 offers, but like, so on my last listings, the, like uh, I had uh, nine on my, my last one and four of them were competitive uh, five were not competitive at all. They didn't. They didn't really have a chance. So then those four, all of a sudden, are now working against each other. Price goes up a little bit, and you end up around where you had hoped to. Typically, right now, it's actually going going above because there's, uh, I think, a lot of fatigue with people who are losing out on multiple properties who are just like, you know what, let's just get this done. They're, you know, overpaying. Maybe that's like a difficult word to use right now, but to, to just get it done. So we're seeing like little, little uh, spikes in prices and values and stuff. Often the winning bid is you know, uh, considerably higher than the second highest bid. So there's these little gaps that are getting created kind of all over the place, which I think is going to level off sooner than later. But yeah, that's the strategy. And if you have an income property, let's say, and you're super tempted to sell because the it's like so hot right now, should you sell or should you hold on to it for if you don't need to sell? Well, I mean, using you maybe as an example, say you're, <laughs> you're I don't know. asking say, for a friend. Yeah. There's so many hypotheticals. We, yeah, just, let's just use me. Hypothetically speaking, your your particular property where you own it, that area is still uh, scheduled for some like major, major development and interest. And I, I would say, although we are at like kind of record highs right now for prices, yours maybe in particular because that area already is not kind of at the the higher end of the threshold for appreciation. And then factoring in all the things that are happening down near the waterfront in Hamilton, and you have good renter and you got a good price, my recommendation would be to to hold. It's a totally case by case basis every time. Although I'd love to sell it and you know, <laughs> make money, make, make all make that, that money, huge, <laughs> that huge huge check in. Okay, uh, so so one thing that's sort of fascinating is as we sort of mentioned off the top, like we were all we've all been friends for more than a decade, long before you became a real estate agent. So it's mm-hmm. like in a lot of ways, it's, it's sweet. Like I I love working with you because it like you're my like I said, we hang out socially regardless of this thing that we're also kind of doing on the side. When you became a real estate agent, how long have you been a real estate agent now? Like five years or something. Five, five years. years. Yeah. Um, and then you have like sort of this network of friends. What is the etiquette? Because we know another guy that's a real estate agent that's kind of part of the gang. You know what I mean? What mm-hmm. is the what is the rule there on like 
you know, yeah. who uses who. That's, I mean, there's a pretty clear like line in the sand of like basically who, who is whose friend. Like we, we, mm-hmm. um, we've never really had an issue with that. It's just like, there's like a, you know, like a, it's not, it's not ownership, but people can work with whoever they want. Like if, if somebody wanted to work with them versus me, like that's the thing. It's like you, people should be interviewing uh, real estate agents when they go to buy or sell. I mean, we're a friend group, so that's a little bit different, but in general, you want to, you want to be able to work with somebody who it's a, it's a pretty important transaction. There could be a lot of uh, ups and downs and emotions and big decisions to be made. So it's by no means like a light decision that you should make just using the first person that was referred to you by like, you know, your, your aunt or something like that. But, um, as far as friend groups go, there's a very clear line, basically who, who is like, who's, who's friend first, <laughs> as stupid <laughs> as it sounds. It's, it's yeah, really, it's, that's all. It, it but if you break like, that line, like, let's say I broke that <laughs> line and yeah. went to someone I'm not as close to, but who I respect them as a real estate agent more yeah. than well, you. Yeah. <laughs> would 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 that fracture our friendship or would no. we just no not at all i wouldn't no it's like good to know my, the foundation no. uh, of, of my business is not is not friends and family that's like a that's a bonus and that's like the fun stuff for me is getting to hang out with particularly now when we're not seeing each other at all is getting to do that uh that have a bit of social part with it and just like the thought of because okay, there are like 3,000 agents in, in the Hamilton board, roughly or so. Most of them are not good at the job at all. So the thought of like my friends ending up with somebody who is not good at it and just getting, as far as like an advisory role goes, just having somebody who doesn't have experience or I don't know, that just, that makes me cringe. So I'm, as long as you're working with somebody who's good, that's really all I would care about. But how, how do you get people outside of your friends and family? Like, is it just you're putting your like handsome face on? <laughs> For our I don't listeners, know, bus Sean shelters? is our probably second to third most handsome friend in the friend group. I'd say. Aww, thanks, yeah, Max. No, Thank it's, it's true, and the funniest. Assuming I'm number one here, and the one of the smartest. And I think we've had this uh, debate before about who's the funniest. But I think when we pulled the group, Sean was one top three for sure. Maybe and in, in some people's Max, you're such one. a bullshitter. You you messaged me the other day and told me I was the funniest friend. I, I think you're I think you're definitely top one or two, but depends on your mood. Well, if he's so fucking funny, why isn't he on the podcast? Why am I on the podcast? <laughs> Here's the difference, though, is that uh, I was talking to our our mutual buddy Sean Menard, another Sean, and he said, "Listen, success is nothing. Has thirty percent is talent. Seventy percent is how much you put yourself out there, how badly you want it." And Sean uh, Dawson doesn't feel the need to be constantly entertaining people and delivering them content like you or I. Doesn't mean that he's not any less funny. He he could be funnier. He just doesn't feel the need for that validation like you do or and me for that matter that's all so if sean if sean wanted to be he could be a more successful musician than you and comedian than me yeah sean's got a better voice than me he's hotter than i am and he's a better guitar player than mm. i am yes he could be yeah, a better good musician point. good point and, and also <laughs> yeah he's probably funnier than me yeah <laughs> No, I agree. He's, yeah, this is great. he's just seeing his followers go up, like his real estate page is just the numbers yeah. are going through the roof. That was a ringing endorsement, Max. It's true. Anyway, I, I don't think our listeners were getting the full scope of Sean because right now he's very businessman-like right now on this podcast. He's talking about his job. You're not getting a sense of how hot, fucking hot he is, how fucking funny he is. Let the jokes yeah, start rolling. Let's get rolling. some funny let's stuff because it's going to be hard. 
Yeah, it's hard to translate looks over a podcast, but the funny, like, could you bring some funny stuff out right now? <laughs> I, I didn't, I, no, I did not prepare any uh, material, but I mean, maybe as we get into the, the soccer talks, I can, I can, actually, that's going to be too niche funny anyways. But, yeah. Your other passion. But uh, Sean, you mentioned um, about how there's, a, how there's a real range of realtors in the city. There's some good ones. There's some not so good ones. Uh, do you have any, like any profession. Yeah. Like, like any profession. Do you have any particularly funny stories of like just funny things? that have happened at a showing or a deal that went sideways. I know you don't want to throw anybody under the bus because you're a professional guy, but is there anything that's like kind of comes to mind where you're like, oh, this was a good yeah. one? I got, I got like one that always comes to mind for me. I mean, there, there are ones where people are uh, misleading clients on purpose and there's, mm-hmm. there's like the, you know, the financial responsibility and duty of care you have to clients that gets broken often. But there is a He's pretty well known, I guess. He's been in the business a long time. And we used to, before COVID, we would host these things called uh, realtor safaris, which are not nearly as, as fun as they sound. <laughs> but basically, uh, real estate agents get a, uh, a a tour of a house right before it hits the market. So only realtors come through, a big train of people. Uh, on Thursday mornings, I think it was, everyone would come through. They give you feedback on the house and the price. You chat. Maybe they now they have a sneak peek. They can tell their clients about it, et cetera. This uh, one guy who comes to literally all of them, but I've, I've, I've never done any business with him or seen him have anything for sale. But anyways, he's been in business a long time. He co- comes in, uh, take, kicks his shoes off, walks around, we, we chat a bit. And then on the way out, he puts his shoes back on. And uh, I'm like, you have uh, two right foot shoes on. And he looks down <laughs> and he has two leather loafers that are both right foot on. And they, he didn't put someone else's shoe on. But he wore two right foot <laughs> shoes on the entire <laughs> The entire day. <laughs> oh, man. And, he and he has like, he's like, oh, look at that. Uh, and that was it. <laughs> and he's just like a, <laughs> and he's such like a funny, like old timer guy. Anyways, that, that always made me laugh. And I think about that like pretty often. So that means he had two of the same, so two pairs of the same shoe and he just put the two right. Correct. And they were, they were kind of like, um, not almost like wingtippy leather dress shoes. So they were both. <laughs> Point of, it was unbelievable. Very obvious, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> that's great. That's like the that's like the funny, like lighthearted stuff. Uh, I mean, yeah. God, do you guys see how hard I'm laughing right now? Haven't laughed this hard in a while. No, this. If I had told that, it would have been a total bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Dead silence. Huh, to your right shoes. <laughs> Ugly man tells story. I'm just so charmed by everything. Uh, <laughs> but but wait, you you ignored my one question because we yeah. got into your handsome and we we're rating how funny you were. But how do you how do you get clients that oh, yeah. are not in your friend group? So you, I mean, referrals are like basically the number one thing. Now that I've been in the business, it's a little harder like year one and two because you're starting from scratch. You don't have any pedigree in the business. You don't have anyone to be like, oh, I use this guy. He was awesome. Um, but what, like by the time I was like maybe like year two and a half or so, uh, I, I get calls every second week or so for somebody who either had already bought something, family member, um, that type of thing. So it's just like it's all referrals. I, and I don't do any advertising part of me coming on today is because I've reluctantly decided to start doing some self advertising. Like, um, no, no, that's not why you came on. We wanted to hang out with our friend, Sean. Okay. And that, and that, I mean, that's that, that too. Otherwise there'd be no, no reason just to have me on to shoot the shit, but yeah, um, we but, wanted some laughs yes. <laughs> on that tip though, actually, Sean. Um, okay. So I always find it interesting. If you ever go into an open house, you see realtors business cards there. Mm-hmm. Everybody like leaves mm-hmm. them everywhere they go. And sometimes I find it to be just a territorial kind of move, like, oh, so-and-so's here, and so-and-so, so-and-so. Um, does that actually work? 
or is, or is there a better way? Should we, should, you so know what I, mean? I do know what you mean. That is, that is more, I think for a sense that the listing realtor is getting people through the door. So like the, when the seller hypothetically comes home after a day's worth of showings and they see 15 cards on the table, it's just like, it's a good sign that there's exposure for the house and people are coming, coming through and, and touring it. Yeah. Cause I hate that. If I've ever toured a house, I'm like, fuck these people. Fuck them. I want to throw all those cards uh, in the garbage. Right. Right now there's like stacks and stacks of them. But I mean, some of them are pretty funny. You get to like root through them and have a laugh. But um, so, okay. So I know a guy who's starting uh, an app, uh, who is trying to get rid of real realtors. He's trying to just make everything automated mm-hmm. through an app. What do you say mm-hmm. to that guy? Um, like there are people who can, who can handle their own real estate transactions and they, they are, you know, maybe savvy enough or, or, uh, Mensa members enough <laughs> Mensa members. Yes. Who, who like re- re- realtors are for, they're not for everybody, but for, they're for a large part of the, of the, I think for the population who, cause there's, there's a lot of stuff to consider and plan and think about like when you're buying uh, like a house, like it's the, every time you buy or sell house, it's the biggest transaction you've ever made like in your life basically so it 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 it, uh it requires like a certain level of experience i think and care not not for everybody that's totally fine like a lot of people sell their homes privately or use companies like purple bricks or something like that a lot of those are not particularly successful and they end up being relisted with uh with a realtor but um yeah it's different you know different path for for people depending on their again their kind of level of comfort Okay, last question, and I know I've been asking a lot of questions. What do you think is the appropriate car for a real estate agent to drive? Because you don't want to drive a shitbox. A motorhome. But I think, but, but I think you don't want to drive something too fancy because that's like, who the fuck does this guy think he is? You, th- you know? Like, what, 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 what's the, right, right, the sweet spot? There, I think like maybe some of the older, more uh, older real estate agents – they think like uh, a flashier car is probably better because it, it exudes confidence. And it's like, oh, this guy must be successful if he can drive this. There's like an old joke about realtors that they have the best car in the lot, but there's no gas in the tank. So it's like a lot of it's uh, <laughs> it like it's like a, a bit of a, a show. Uh, and it's so funny you mentioned that. Like I, I took some people through a final walkthrough of a house I sold a couple days ago and their parents showed up for it for the first time, like their first time seeing it and meeting me. And I got out of my, I, I drive like a, a Ford Ranger, like a, a truck. Uh, so I got out of that and the guy's like, oh, I expected a white Mercedes out of you. Uh, and, and I was like, oh, no. I mean, <laughs> so there's definitely a, a, people think about the cars of realtor tracks. It's so funny. Uh, so Sean, you've worked directly with both Shane and myself and I think a little bit with Max, but I was going to ask like, and you've also known us forever. Like you said, you know, you, we toured across the country many times. Sean, we went to Africa together. Actually, Shane was on that trip as well. But working with us in a real estate capacity, Shane and I are both varying degrees of neurotic or competitive when it comes to sort of something like maybe buying a house. What would you say are the major differences between the two of us when working with us in that capacity? And also talk shit about the other champagne boys too while you answer this question. Oh, I can. Like, so <laughs> I find but Max and Shane are very similar in a lot of ways in this regard because they're very much like, I don't know what's happening and I also don't really care. I trust somebody <laughs> yeah. to make, make, make the right decision for me. Uh, so that, that was my experience with, with both Max and, and Shane for sure. And then th- this is all just like the <laughs> people's personality shine through. Uh, and they are very true to form in something that has 
the stakes of this this magnitude. So like Mike is a very cautious, considered buyer who will then kick himself maybe for not making a decision uh, and, uh, and, and and look back and be like, oh, shucks, uh, which he does. Uh, and um, yeah, so it's again, just it's very much like how you guys are like in real life. But yeah, two, two guys just, just tell me what to do. I don't understand what's happening, nor do I care. And then Mike is very like uh, more more hands on and, and considerate, I would say. Um, you, uh, you give us some other juice like Julian, uh, Jug, oh. like give us some other good ones. <laughs> This is, by the way, this is like uh, this is like a, 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 a major thing that Max does where our listeners don't necessarily know who the fuck these people are. But Max doesn't. He's like, yo, let's just talk. Let's talk about Jack. So like, let, let's do it. Let's do Julian. Yeah. Julian is all, he very much in the Shane and Max camp. Uh, uh, Sam, Sam is like the, the, the boss that's of, his that, wife. That, yeah, Sam, yeah. of of their uh, Sam, uh, of their their world and financially. Julian has no idea what's happening, nor does he particularly care. And he knows that uh, he's he's uh, at least in theory in good hands, both with her running the finances and and me taking care of their real estate stuff. Uh, and then Jug. Jug is no, one of your oldest memorable. friends, by the way, and and also a my, my oldest and best friend, roommate. Yeah, I've been friends for I don't even know how long. Uh, he was, I don't know, like a very unmemorable client as far as personality goes. <laughs> <laughs> he just like, <laughs> he, he like, <laughs> He, uh, yeah, didn't just like, he's very jug about the whole thing. Very like, yeah, not, <laughs> okay. And now, so, now Sean, you've lived with both Max and jug at the same time, right? The three of you live together. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who was, who yeah. was the better roommate jug or Max? No, did we live together? Better. No, no, no. It was me, Julian and jug. Me and, and yeah, then me you and, and Greg lived together. Right. Yeah, because they moved out into a different place. Out, yeah. That's when you, yeah. you you called me in, in tears saying, Sean, I need a room. Yeah, basically, Jug uh, and Julian, I came home one day from like a tour, and then Jug just turns, he's sitting on the couch, he's like, hey, Max, hear the news? I'm like, well, no, what's up? He's like, the Onyx, it's done. And that's like the place where we lived. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, we're moving out. And then I immediately, in about 15 minutes, got on the phone to you, Sean, because you lived around the corner. I'm like, you're moving in. You're yeah. like, okay. Sure, yeah, <laughs> that, Sean, you were living with my brother at that weird, like, yeah. old, like, nurses, like, campus place. Yeah, on, on Park on Street. Park yeah. Street. Yeah. The park, yeah. And then you guys moved in. But yeah, sorry, you can answer the question. So who's a better roommate? Yeah. Well, actually, you know what? Well, no, no, here here we go. Actually, I guess you've lived with all three of us. You, you Me and you lived together, Sean, at, uh, at Kipling in Westdale. Uh, for yep. about a year, and then Shane also lived in the basement of that place where Brody did flood it by trying to make wine. Well, I lived in the middle floor with Sean. Also. Did you really? I lived like on with him and Ivanya. Oh, oh I thought, yeah. I thought uh, my brother lived on that floor. No, when we moved, might have yeah, also. We, we moved into a place on Herkimer. <laughs> oh, I'm talking about Ki- Kipling right now. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. Ki- Kipling was me and Brody, sorry. Sean's brother, on the top floor. This is not confusing for our listeners at all. Then this is hilarious, <laughs> by the way. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> stuff, yeah. This is the most self indulgent podcast that we've ever done. Uh, Greg and Shawnee on the on the main floor, and then Shane at some point, like three months after we moved in, was like, "I need a place to stay." So we're like, "Well, there's there's like a there's like a basement area," and you're like, "I'll take it." And then you lived in the basement for like the duration of the time. <laughs> well, because I lived at home. <laughs> with my yeah. mom and I I was I was trying to court a, a woman and I wanted her to know I didn't live with my mom so I was renting a place in this basement with a cot but I had none of my I had all of my clothes still at my mom's house but I would just kind of sleep there to keep the illusion that I lived with the fellas yes yes by the way like a grown uh, man Ash yeah. just texted me on the side not knowing if you live together is fucked lol <laughs> was just, was like, well we've all lived in so many different scenarios and different people like that place on Kipling that year like we had like 
people in and out. Well, Brody and I also bought two dogs like during yes. that time to move <laughs> oh, into that little And house. all the girlfriends lived yep, there. At one point, yeah. they And then moved Mike in. moved out, but was still paying rent because he was so fed up with living with the mess. <laughs> That's true, I did. I left, I left like seven months in, so I still had whatever the four or five months left. And I, uh, I, just, I just paid it. And I was like, whatever, I, I, I'm going. But that place was pretty fun though for that first little bit. And then it became madness. <laughs> well, there was always dog shit beside my bed because I lived in the basement. So the dogs felt comfortable. And then there's there. this story where like Brody was Brody, Sean's brother who lived on, on the top floor of this. He tried to make like homemade wine, but he accidentally flooded the basement. And then there's the story of like Shane being like on the couch in the basement sleeping and then waking up and there was like, like foot of water and then poop floats by. Turds floating <laughs> by. Yeah. So and the woman I'm trying to impress is watching the turds floating by. She, she wasn't was over, up. was she? Yes, she was. You would have been wow. better off just yeah. at your mom's place at that point. I don't know what's more uh, embarrassing. Is it, is it worse to live with yeah. your mom at that point or to live in a basement with poop floating by? <laughs> For me, it was way cooler because it was kind of punk rock. Oh, right, right. Like It was like, yeah, these guys are band guys. You know, I felt like we were like Motley Crue or something. Yeah, whenever anything's Make, just like objectively <laughs> shitty, uh, literally shitty, it's it's punk rock. <laughs> so, so back to the three people that our listeners do know, Matt, Max, myself, and Shane. Sean, you have sort of a very unique position as you have spent time living with all of us, significant time. Mm-hmm. I would, I guess, I would say, like in a very Max esque way, rank the roommates. Uh, okay, rank the roommates. Mike, you were very much like a you wanted you wanted both uh, both halves of like the lifestyle. You wanted to to come home to like a cl- if you wanted to be clean and quiet when you needed to be clean and quiet, but then you would also be be drunk with us seven nights a week and you 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 play guitar until seven in the morning, but at ten a.m. you wanted it clean when you came downstairs. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, uh, Max is was a very good roommate because he's like uh, Max. You, you're 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 not moody at all. You're always in like a particularly good mood. You're always down to do stuff. Uh, and I find like particularly in the mornings, you're you're like you know let's go get a coffee or go do our work at a, a cafe somewhere something like that, which I normally wouldn't do. So that was always helpful to me. You, uh, I think I've described kind of you and Shane both as like kind of like Encino men. Like you were just like thawed one day and don't know anything about like <laughs> modern life and how things work. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, there's a lot of like uh, like tutelage about how like life works uh, and <laughs> <laughs> I remember I emailed you once, Sean, because I was paying three hundred dollars rent, and I was like, "This is so much money! Like, this doesn't make sense! Like, this seems like way too much." Yeah. You're like, "No, this is normal, Shane. This is how much people pay. This is actually a good a good rent." <laughs> and it was like every month they have to pay. You're like, "Yep." <laughs> Uh, so yeah so that was always like a fun part of it but i also know that like i'm not going to come home and you cook me dinner at any point uh and uh yeah and then max's little quirks is like he just like uh, unknowingly steals all of your shit like it could be anything from literally underwear to headphones chargers you just that's just part of the deal uh it's very true and yeah very true so that that was it and then shane uh yeah, there, there's a lot of the same like kind of like life tutelage with, with Shane how how things work, and you just like just tell me how this works. Uh, but you're yeah, you're a good roommate, and we I mean we had a lot of like yeah a lot of fun times <laughs> during during those those days for sure. <laughs> Simpler times. Did you guys did you did you guys ever butt heads? You and Shane? 
I think we, we butted heads more over the fact that every time we lived together, we would also then just move our girlfriends into those apartments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then that becomes, because those were like, those stages of our lives were like, we tried to go out like as much as humanly possible. So we were, there'd be, we were at odds with the having, you know, like, long-term girlfriends at home, but also then going out drinking all night, every night. Uh, and that, I, th- I think that led to, uh, some, some butting of heads, but nothing, nothing ever comes to mind anything serious at all ever. No, I think the worst thing that ever happened was maybe fab ate one of my push-up holder things. And then oh, I was yeah. like, Oh, you got to replace this. And it was like, well, don't leave your shit out. And I was like, but the dog knew how to work like the doorknob. Cause we, and like, so we would break into my <laughs> yeah, room and he could eat my stuff. I had, yeah. I had the same he was a big dog experience. Yeah. Uh, that was that the only point of uh, friction was I, I was the first time I ever bought, I think I told you the story, expensive cheese. I just got home from a trip from Niagara on the Niagara on the Lake. I was like, I'm an adult now. I'm going to go to the cheese store at Niagara on the Lake and buy this expensive cheese. I spent like $25 on the cheese, which is way more than I normally would. Got home, had the cheese in my backpack, threw it on the couch, went to the gym to use the treadmill. I was on the YMCA, which is like a five five minute walk from the house. Work out that cheese. Walk, yeah. work out the cheese. And then I realized, oh my God, I didn't like stow it away like in an upper cupboard. And then I called uh, Sean. I was like, are you home right now? And then he didn't pick up. So I sprint home. And normally, uh, Fab would meet you at the door. But if Fab's been a bad boy, he's just lying. <laughs> he's in Sean's bed. So he did not come to meet me at the at the door. I'm like, oh, this is a bad sign. I go yeah. in to the living room. My bag is open. I go into Sean's room. Fab is on the bed. <laughs> covered in wrapping uh with all around him and he's like clearly eating all the cheese and then that led to yeah. about six days of fab shitting everywhere oh, yeah, it was a real no. nightmare nightmare for you right <laughs> yeah he got that made him pretty sick yeah, yeah. Uh, and we were living in the third floor of that i don't know how i ever had a dog on a third floor walk up like the that must have been insane because he he ate a lot of stuff and got sick constantly um yeah but yeah mia, mia culpa i mean the the dog was a a, a difficult roommate <laughs> and 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 it's, he's like your trusty like sidekick life partner you've had fab for oh, as yeah. long as i can remember now well there was a, the rule with fab was don't leave food at any like even counter height and don't leave garbage out because he's going to eat it and it's going to make him sick like that those are the kind of the rules and he would eat the occasional push up push up uh, bar uh, or like or like i think he ate multiple uh boots of gloves gloves like i remember that, getting yeah, fancy yeah, new glo- gloves, gloves for christmas that uh, were gone within a week yeah couches he once finished a vat of curry uh our oh, matt savelli made this like very spicy indian curry and it was like one of those massive pots like and and then it was, it was licked it the clean. Yeah. yeah, it made it for the week. It was licked clean. It was very impressive. He's like, you didn't even know it spilled onto the ground because he like he knocked ate it, it out of the pot from the stovetop. He didn't actually move. So Matt, Matt made this like ten liter <laughs> vat of like chili that was going to get him or a curry for the for the week. And he came home and the pot was empty and clean, but still on the stove. And I was like, I don't know what happened to it because it, it looked like somebody put, took it and cleaned it. But yeah, and then yeah, Fab uh, was. Quite, quite ill for a couple of days. They got into the alcohol too. Remember there was the time that Fab <laughs> and uh, Zisu, your brother Brody's dog, got, Brody had- Creme de menthe. Yeah, had, like <laughs> liqueur. Brody had liqueurs in his room and we were all sitting downstairs. It was like a Sunday night. We were watching basketball or something and Brody came down in a panic and he was like, the, the dogs drank like the liqueur, like 
they're, they've drank the alcohol. Oh my God. And we're like, oh no, right? Like it's like, it's bad. And I guess like one of them was a kind of a chocolatey mint and dogs aren't supposed to have mint. But yeah. but to us, the idea that the dogs like kind of got drunk in the bedroom being sneaky while we were all downstairs was very, very funny, even though it was very scary. <laughs> so Brody then proceeds to like do like cognitive tests with the dogs, which I just remember we found so fucking funny in the moment. <laughs> But he was getting, like walking yeah. a straight line. Oh my god! He's like he's doing this with the finger to get uh, Zisu to follow his like the sight line, and we're laughing like it was very funny. But he was getting frustrated. He's like, "No, guys, this is serious. Like the dogs." But it was just the idea of these dogs being drunk and then Brody t- doing cognitive tests was just it was it was a full liter of creme de menthe. Uh, and I remember we were Brody's doing all these tests and we're, we're making fun of him, being like, "Okay, Zisu just beat me at checkers, so I know it wasn't her." <laughs> And meanwhile, Fab is like, Fab like burps like mint at me. He's like, <laughs> he's like <laughs> winking. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Bef- uh, before we get too far away from the real estate stuff, how can people find you, Sean? Uh, so my <laughs> too late. Like we yeah, already bonus. have. Yeah. <laughs> Ash was, just uh, texted me being like, let's get back to the fucking point, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How can we yeah, find Sean? Okay, some smooth transition back into my real estate. Uh, Sean, Sean Dawson.homes is my Instagram and my Facebook and also my website. It's like .homes instead of, you know, .org, .edu. Check it out. So Sean Dawson.homes instead of .com. Like not like Sherlock Holmes, like homes. It, yes, like like homes is in, yes, what you're mm, buying. H-O-M-E-S. That's cool. Yeah. Very nice. Thanks. Okay, let's uh, transition to the next subject where we're going to keep you on. Let's do it. We'll just keep rolling. Uh, Huge soccer story. Uh, I mean, it's it's funny because when these things pop up on Twitter and you see it sort of snowballing, you don't necessarily follow the league. Like, I mean, soccer is obviously it's the biggest sport in the world. But as far as North America... It's, it's a little bit further down on the list of sort of like the most profitable sports or even that gets the most coverage. So when you see that like on Twitter, it's gaining steam and it's like it's something that is eliciting all of these passions in people. And there's this huge negative reaction. And you're kind of like, I don't really understand what's going on with this story. My question would be for such a passionate football fan like you, Sean, can you break down for those of us that don't really follow it, why this is a big deal? Okay, it's 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 confusing. There's a lot of like layers to it. But okay, fun, fundamentally, what's happened is Right now, there are 12 of the, the biggest clubs in the world, uh, which somehow includes Tottenham and Arsenal, I don't understand. But they, 12 of the biggest clubs in the Why world. Why do you say that, are, though? Why do you say it somehow includes Tottenham and Arsenal? Because they're perennial losers. You, you talk yeah. about uh, like bottle jobs. Anyways, um, they, they haven't been relevant in a long time, but they are. But it's uh, like how the Leafs in hockey are always kind of like this considered is exactly, a top this, team because of the fan base. They're, they're, they're London clubs. They have, they have like long traditions. Uh, and, you know, uh, Tottenham just had that all or nothing show about it. They, uh, they hired a big manager. They're, they're, they basically they inflated their. I'm going to try to make this not too anti. Uh, Tottenham. They they inflated their uh, the, the size of their club over recent years, uh, even without winning anything or being relevant. But so they're included in this somehow. And for context, um, before you uh, keep going, Sean, um, one of, so we talk about roommates every Saturday. Whether I was living with Sean or Jug or Matt Savelli. Uh, soccer was on in the apartment. And the, the thing which is awesome about being around these three guys is that they have been friends since childhood. But uh, Sean uh, is, how, how am I forgetting the name of your favorite club? This is uh, Chelsea. Ch- Chelsea. Chelsea, obviously. Sean is a Chelsea supporter. Um, 
Savelli, Matt Savelli is a Tottenham supporter and Jug is an Arsenal supporter. So depending on who won and who lost the game, there's a lot of taunting going on between these friends. Yeah. And it was very entertaining for me to witness all this every Saturday. And and so so any connection I have to soccer, it's through Sean Savelli and Jug. I, I uh, always used to, I, I always used to marvel living with 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 you, Sean, was that we could be drinking literally till like five thirty in the morning or whatever. And then you would, without fail, get up for the soccer game on the Saturday morning. So we'd be out Friday night. And then like when oh, I would yeah. sort of come stumbling down at like 11 a.m., you'd already been up for hours watching soccer without fail. Yeah, I did, this is part of the deal. I, I, I barely missed the Chelsea game in 20 years. Like uh, it's just part of the deal. But, but yeah, having three lifelong friends who all support different London clubs is like particularly uh, a fun little uh, thing that we've had going on for a long time. But anyways, okay, so getting back to it. These 12 clubs are forming their own it's called like a super league the european super league uh which is like a, a midweek tournament there's 12 right now they're saying there's going to be three more added these founders clubs will make up a, a 15 club base and then as it goes forward five new clubs based on their performance in their various leagues around europe would get added to it and it's a tournament that happens every year what is so upsetting to football fans about this uh this particular tournament is that this is a closed this is like a franchise model this is a closed system league there's no promotion there's no relegation you're in it you're making you're going to make the money it's these teams playing each other uh and only only these teams playing each other and maybe this is obvious uh for soccer fans or for some sports fans but if you're not a sports fan explain how relegation works because it is uh, it is not exists in north american sports but it is a very big part of football culture so the, the bottom couple teams of, depending on which, which league it is, uh, will go down a division. So like from the Premier League to the Championship or League One, whatever it is. And then, but also those teams are now being replaced by the top teams from the lower league the, the year before. And then that just like the, the chance that a team can like over time slowly work their way up the league and get into something like the Premier League and then have access to the Premier League uh, TV money and rights or maybe even get the chance to play in, in Europe in a Europa League or a Champions League which is a um, it's a club competition played uh, different countries so like Spain and Italy and England all, all do that right now so so people um, are so people are into the underdog journey of all of these this multitude oh of clubs God. around Europe yes 100 percent and like most recently Leicester winning uh, the the Premier League which was like a unheard of uh, like thousand to one chance they, they did it because it's a 38. Uh, game season you play every team um, home and away and it's it's a top six dominated uh, league like the it's you don't, don't see a whole lot of movement outside of that that top six. And, and this is like not so, the best comparison but like the Leicester thing is so amazing and again I when I realized the significance I was really blown away so imagine like you know a team in Barrie Ontario that is like the double a affiliate for the Blue Jays ends up uh, winning the double-A championship or the triple-A championship and then gets to play in the major leagues against the Yankees, against the Red Sox, against the Cubs, and then ends up winning that league. So they hadn't been in the Premier League for very long, and the, but, they, but they're no, a small no. club uh, from, yep. in a small market and they worked their way up and then they ended up beating the, the best and the biggest teams with the biggest salaries, right? 
Yeah, and I mean they had a, like a very very wealthy uh, Thai owner. Like they had some money in the club, but they they're by no means like a like a Chelsea who was owned by uh, like a Russian oligarch. Like they're just like that that type of stuff. It, it was like a fairy tale times times a hundred, and like all the football loved it. Like the fact that they won was like the best thing that ever happened. Like it was it was so fun. But anyways, so this this thing is basically it's a closed system. You there's no relegation, there's no promotion. If you're in it by virtue of being one of these uh, already. Uh, super wealthy because these, these clubs are all owned by um, mostly uh, it's American billionaires or uh, like sovereign nations or like Sheikh Mansour or uh, Roman Abramovich, like I mentioned from Russia, who's like a, an oil billionaire. Th- those are the guys who are making this decision. The whole thing is funded by JP Morgan. It just has like a football is already corrupted like by, by big money and the governing bodies right now. It's by no means a perfect game or system uh but this just feels particularly egregious and it just it was the, the fans don't want it weren't asked if they wanted it but they're going to get it anyways um and uh yeah so it's it's a it's a midweek tournament that's going to take place over the year uh it's it's not supposed to be at the uh, expense of the uh, the domestic league like playing in the premier league mm. or playing in so it seems from Bar- uh, from spain from italy from germany from england uh, there's 12 right now. So, but, so uh, okay. So you say it's a midweek tournament that happens th- for how many weeks, or just like? Uh, so it's it, it'll be when when they get the the five extra teams in, it becomes twenty teams uh, in the league. There's two two groups of ten. They and then I think it's. Uh, four from each advance and you go into a group stage. It would take place over the whole year. Oh, okay. Uh, and so and the idea is that they, that um, Arsenal would, would still go back on the weekends to the UK and play whoever they're supposed to play in the premier league. Right. C- correct. But like, and then the other thing to consider is that these teams, they play their, the domestic league, like the premier league. There are two domestic cups, the, the FA cup, which is the football association cup. And then a league cup, which is now called the Carabao cup that are you know, similar to, they, they give chances of these like very, very small uh, teams to play against giants like Manchester United. So somebody who has a, a stadium that holds 5,000 people could be, could have Manchester United come and, they, and then they get to go play their away leg and play at Old Trafford in front of, you know, 85,000 people or something like that. Those, those like those little stories and like things that get to happen every year are like that's part of like the magic of football. And, and football like is is very much like a like a, a working person's sport. It, it, be, it came out of like when your town had, a, you know, a church, a factory and a, and a football stadium. And it's like the, it was the Coliseum of Rome. Like it's just what you did and how you spent your money. And people are fourth generation supporters of these clubs. And uh, nothing could feel more antithetical to what football, why it's fun than this. What's happening. Is it, is it a done deal or, is, or could public opinion sort of make them abandon this play? We're going to find out because they're not only are they butting up against public opinion because no fans want this at all. Um, like the managers weren't even um, consulted about this. This was this was like a top down decision that took a lot of people by surprise. But the governing bodies of football like FIFA and UEFA, they don't want this to happen because it's it directly competes with their um, their European competition, Champions League and, and Europa League. Uh, and it's they're already saying like if if you know if you go ahead with this league players who play in this league can't play for their national teams they uh you they, they will be either be docked or banned from playing in domestic competitions like the like the fa are saying that that i don't know if that's going to happen or not this could also be there's theories this is a a uh, like a power play to renegotiate like tv revenues from champions league and stuff like that because there's billions billions of dollars on the table here and that's the other thing all the revenue that comes from this is now in a closed system, it doesn't. It doesn't have that effect. Like it doesn't have that uh, that, that pyramid system, like the Premier League has, where there's profit sharing. And it's 
it is a broken system already where the, the, the lower league clubs don't get nearly enough from the, the teams that are, are bringing in, you know, billions of dollars. But there is some there and it's going to, I mean, if this goes wrong, it's going to destroy like league football, which is like, and again, like a lot of like the, these small towns, like that's what their business is. It's, it's all based around the people who work for the club, go to the club and just the revenues that get brought in by, by uh, tickets and stuff. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a nightmare. The one thing I'm confused about though, is that they're still going to play in the premier league. It just seems like their schedules is a little busier. Like I, that's, that's why I don't understand yeah. all the things that you're, you're saying. It's like, they're still going to be doing right. Yes, they're still going to be playing uh, in in the Premier League. Um, it's just about how, like, again, like how TV revenues are shared and profits and all that type of thing. And and again, whether or not like if these are only become the viable clubs and business model moving forward, and maybe it just just shifts the way that the game works. And because this is how money is going to be made at a time when there's no gate receipts. And uh, again, how it's going to play out, I'm not. No one's really sure, but it's definitely uh, not looking not looking good for the sport. Shane, any thoughts on the, uh, the soccer situation? <laughs> no, no. I've been, I've been trying to think. Um, uh, who's who's the best goalie in the league? <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you actually want an answer to that? Yeah, I do. Uh, Chelsea's uh, Edouard Mendy. He's the best goalkeeper in the league. That's not true, but I, I, I'll go with that. And when's the last time a goalie has scored a goal? It doesn't happen very often, but there are a couple. Uh, an American goalkeeper, uh, Tim Howard, he had a couple goals, I think, over his, his career, which are typically just like uh, like a long looping goal kick that bounces over, catches some wind or something like that. Or at the end of the game, if you're down, kind of like pulling your pulling your goalie, the, the goalie will come up and, you know, on a corner or something and every once in a while smacks one in. It does not happen often at all. I feel like the goalie is very underrated for people who don't know soccer. It feels like the net's so big and it's kind of useless, but it, oh, it's, it's important. It, it's huge. It's, it's a huge net, and uh, it's a very important role. He has to have somebody standing there to stop the ball from going in. Yeah, there you have it. <laughs> There's some high-level analysis for you. <laughs> and, and, Sean, you've, uh, you've played soccer with all of us uh, in the past. If you were drafting a soccer team, uh, I guess, of just this pod, how would the draft go? Oh, just you guys. Um, you are you're all probably about the same skill level. Um, <laughs> like 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 on a scale of ten, like that'd be about what, like what, a four. Like a of like a like a D, D minus beer league. You know, you guys are like sixes. Um, I would say. <laughs> One, two, I couldn't choose one, two, three. You guys all bring something different to the table. Mike's more positionally defensive focused, I think. Uh, Shane has uh, has a pretty famous competitive streak in him. Mm, that's true. And, uh, you know, and Max, I think, is like a, like a, would be like a carefree uh, winger, just like bombing around and, <laughs> and to no real end, but uh, you bring energy, <laughs> energy to, the, to the team and probably buy beers after. <laughs> Hey guys, Sean here, quick editor's note. Thanks for listening to that very long segment that is now no longer relevant because all of the big teams have backed out of the European Super League and it is business (laughs) as usual. On with the show. (laughs) Hope you enjoyed the chat though. It was a good chat. It was a good chat. We learned about goalies too. (laughs) That's timeless. (laughs) That's Goalies and real estate agents, are they important? (laughs) Leave all that in. Okay.
All right, uh, and now it is time for the dessert. Shane, mm. what do you got for us? I like that we're calling it the dessert now. It's back to old times. Oh, Keep yeah. it. What happened is I think Max said it a couple episodes ago, and now it's stuck in my brain. Uh, mm-hmm. I, Shane's surprised, because Shane's surprised. I like the alliteration, too. Shane, what would, it's your segment. What would you like it to be called? Dessert might be more fitting because sometimes it can be good, and sometimes it can be a total bust. So I think it's more what it is, right? Like, okay. Case in point, we're re-recording a dessert that didn't work out <laughs> yesterday if, if we're doing editor's notes and being fully honest with everything. <laughs> so we're doing this again. But my new topic today, because yesterday's didn't work out, is jackets. Olympic jackets. Mm. And is Max a liar? Now, just to explain, Max... Mm. Max oh, this is good. <laughs> we have a another basketball group that I don't think a lot of people know I'm even involved. Because I try to... No not comment in this group and just be a voyeur because I was in another basketball text chain before where I was commenting and I was kicked out of that group unbeknownst (laughs) to me and they just started the same group without me in it. So I'm like, okay, new plan. Don't talk in these groups and just kind of be involved through watching. But anyway, someone (laughs) put on a photo of an Olympic jacket in this group and was like, this jacket's not looking too good. It's like a denim jacket, I guess, because Canadians are known for wearing Canadian tuxedos, which is uh, like jeans with a a denim jacket. And everyone was saying how the jacket wasn't good. Although the jacket looked like a very Max jacket. It looked Mm. like it was just picked from your closet. And Max chimes... true, but... Max. (laughs) And then, uh, so so Max chimes in and he's like, yeah, that doesn't look too good or something like that. However, like you have several denim jackets that are, I I would think, even more questionable than this. I I think they're great and they suit you. And I, and I, I actually put a photo of you wearing one of these jackets, which wouldn't suit probably anyone else, but it suits you. And I, who knows, maybe I'm out of the group right now for doing that. But I wanted to bring it up as a, as a good Shane surprise. One, do we think Max is a total bullshitter? And two, do we think this <laughs> jacket is any good? Okay, I get that I wear uh, denim jackets. I get, I get that I wear colorful, uh, sometimes like homemade looking winter jackets. Oh, sorry, denim jackets. I understand the connection for sure. But just because like there, there's a variety within that scope, right? So like just because somebody wears... A red jacket doesn't mean all red jackets are created equal or are equally cool. I'd say the stuff that I have that that I wear like has a level of like fashion and cool factor that the jacket that is the Canadian Olympic Wait, winter team jacket does not have. Which which one's that? Oh, that's the <laughs> that's cool. That's a cool the jacket though, man. That's a jacket that I got at a UK thrift store. It's a mural of San Francisco. And actually, I think I might have told this story on the podcast. Once Ash was in this UK thrift store, she called me. She said, me and this really cool London hipster dude, he had like neck tattoos, both had our eyes on the jacket. I, and I think I'm going to grab it because I know he wants it. She took it and then he followed her around the store for the next like 15 minutes, hoping that she put it down. She did not. She bought it. I've worn it. And I've got lots of compliments on it. So the difference really, the proof is in the pudding. I've got lots of compliments on my jacket. Nobody seems to like this other jacket. That is the difference. But I don't think any one of our friends would buy that jacket. And I think it, it looks great on you, Max. And I think you pull it off. Mm-hmm. And like it's European and it's a little strange, but I could equally see you wearing the other jacket. 
See, I don't hmm. know if I would. I don't See, know okay, so here's the question, jacket. though. This, this is a is fashion question. question. It's the idea of nuance and what makes something good and something not that although maybe looks similar. So to Max's point, this Canadian sort of closing ceremonies Olympic jacket that's been designed, this denim jacket, it, it's 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 like it looks very DIY homemade, random Canadian flag, spray painty, graffiti look, all this stuff. So one would look at that and then one would look at like the sort of mural on the jean jacket that Max got or Ash got from, uh, where was it? Uh, London in the UK it was like London UK. cool hipster store so it's yeah. like and so it's like to an untrained or any eye what is the difference between those two because what Shane's suggesting is that they're basically the same jacket mm-hmm. stylistically Sean what do you think <laughs> it's funny because th- when you mentioned we were going to talk about the story I only thought about this through your fashion lens Max because you, you've been on you've been on quite the journey over the last year publicly with your fashion so uh, <laughs> Because the story itself is not interesting at all. It's a, it, it's kind of a miss. It looks ridiculous. End of story. But like, <laughs> you, you've been like blending this like Larry David Cabbage Patch look over the last like couple of months. And <laughs> I was so so curious to see if you would like it or defend it. Mm. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know if I like it. Also, I mean, I think the context of the Canadian Olympic winter jacket or denim jacket is, is is important to recognize. It's one thing for a dude in a band who, who to wear something like that. It's another thing for like Canadian top athletes who are you know marching around in Tokyo to be having to wear this. You know what I mean? Like it's just a little bit, it's a little bit time and placey t- to me. Um, so yeah. But I think objective. I don't even think the cool people that I'm trying to emulate on Ossington in Toronto would wear that jacket. That's the thing. I just I think it is. Uh, yeah, I don't. I just don't know if it suits anybody really. Well, this jacket wasn't designed by those people. It was designed by somebody who thinks this is what those people would like, which is which is never a wider margin than. Okay, so another part of the story, which is interesting, is that so in this basketball group chat, we all kind of start making fun of this jacket because the whole internet is kind of making fun of this jacket. Like everybody's like, what is this? And then our friend uh, who will remain nameless just because I want to keep everyone's names under wraps goes, hey, guys, actually, my friend designed that jacket. We're like, what the fuck? It's like, you know, the person <laughs> that's what at that point I was like, glad I didn't pipe in on this one. And then kept it moving with my day because I did not see that curveball coming. So then it, it turns out. So it turns out I don't know this person directly, but we have a bunch of mutual friends. This person has done work. This person has a good, really good reputation for making like hip art and design in Toronto. And the rumor or the conspiracy was that this guy knows he made a shitty jacket, but um, but intentionally like wanted to do something that was sort of out there. That was a bit of a conversation piece and doesn't really care if the whole country is slagging this jacket. So then I get this person's email address and I said, wouldn't it be fascinating to get this person on the podcast so we he could talk about his design Whoa. so then i emailed them i'm like hey we have a bunch of mutual friends uh you know i do i play in arkells i do this podcast i've been a big fan of your work i heard through the grapevine that you were the designer for the team canada jacket it's such a conversation piece i was wondering if you want to come on the podcast that i co-host uh and we could talk about it the the tone of the conversation would be fun inquisitive and process focused because you know i'm always interested when like an artist makes a big statement like this and they know that they're fucking with people. That's some of my favorite kind of art. Anyway, dude gets back to me. Hey man, wasn't me. No idea who did that monstrosity. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. 
but then but then i'm thinking is he still fucking with me like is it is it because the artist has not been named and apparently this guy has a bit of a sense of humor and also has like a no no fucks attitude so either he didn't do it or he's continuing Mm. to fuck with everybody which i also appreciate so this is the friend from our basketball group that yeah, is our this friend from is a the, basketball group who knows this artist. Yeah. Right. So, but the artist is denying it. It's like Banksy's situation. Exactly. Wow. Is this, yeah. uh, Max, does that make you more likely to wear this jacket at a show in the future? I feel like if I know the artist was fucking with people, I'd be more inclined to wear it. If it's, if it, if it was like an earnest attempt, I'd be less inclined to wear it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, Sean, you're the funny one. How can we end this uh, segment? Here? <laughs> 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 I was going to ask Max if he thought the uh, New Balance designer of who came up with those giant white running shoes was trying to fuck with people. <laughs> he delivered. Yeah, there we go. 